And, and so I, I want to talk to us about worry. Now, the reason I do that is because in the news, of course, uh, you know, last few weeks we had the one guy, the famous uh, movie star, commit suicide. And then we had one of our friends here uh, that came to church here for several months, Eric Tovar. Uh, what, sat, was it Friday night fr or Friday or Saturday? When was it? Friday? Friday committed suicide here in town. His funeral is going to be here, uh, I think, unless we change it, it'll be here next Thursday, not a week from tomorrow. Um, so I, thought, I, I began to think about that, and I thought, you know, maybe be a time to educate ourselves about worry and anxiety because uh, all of us have to learn how to wrestle with these things or these things will deal with us. You have to learn how to handle your stress. Everybody has stress, everyone. Nobody is above, you can't go through this life without getting into a stressful situation. That's just the way it is. That's life. Uh, and so learning as a believer how to deal with these issues. Now, why is it important for a believer? Is because you and I are examples to the rest of the world. If we can't process this stuff, then we can't expect the world to process it. We're, we're, our, we're the example to our unbelieving friends. Uh, you know, you know I, I don't want to get down that picture or what, but we, they, ha they need to look or have somebody they can look to as an example of how to process the issues of life. And, that, and, and not only that, knowing who to go to when they are going through the issues of life that they can go to to find some help and instruction how to deal with them. Because sometimes they feel like they're alone and nobody else knows what they're going through So, because the enemy isolates them, gets them to thinking that nobody else is, is having the issues or the problems I have. He, the enemy will isolate you, and that's the fastest way to, to really cause a problem in people's lives is when, they, I, when he isolates you and you think that, well, there's just no hope. And then you start really thinking in negative terms of, of things. You don't want your mind to go there, Okay. Is there any such thing as a hopeless situation with God? No. No. Uh, on, our, on our worst day, on our worst day, it's not as bad as some of the people around the world. So we shouldn't, we get to the place where we don't allow these things to uh, hinder us. So I, I just want to deal with this. Who, me, worry. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. So what is it? Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy and the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God. Now, how many kingdom people do we have here? Okay. Now, I'm telling you, if the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, you know, uh, it's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, if you're, if you're going through some things that are disturbing you, Understand something that what is disturbing you is you have some negative thoughts that you need to take care of. You have to have, because everything starts with a thought. Thoughts are seeds that produces after its kind. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the kingdom of God, the thing that marks us out as kingdom people, is not eating and drinking. That's not what marks us out. And I realize that in our church world, man, I heard a guy today, boy, ooh, this, this preacher, he was, oh, man, he, he ripped me to threads. And he just simply says uh, this over and over again. What does God require? 
He said, if we, we take our modern church as the paradigm of how churches are supposed to be, uh, what does God require? Well, evidently, it doesn't require faithfulness. It doesn't require ministry. It doesn't require holiness. And he goes to the list of the whole things that the modern church really doesn't put on the front burner as requirements. And I thought, that's a sobering thought. What does God require? Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Get this, you need to put this down. There's two major enemies of the human family. The two major enemies of the human family today are stress and depression. These people that took their life was in deep depression. And there, there was a reason why they were in depression. It didn't start out with depression, but unless you get a hold of your anxieties and stresses, it can lead to depression. And when you're in depression, you are not thinking clearly. You are not thinking clearly. We've had precious friends in the last several years. Linda Andrews was one of them. That we all, and no doubt, tried to help in some way or another. But she allowed herself to get into deep depressions. And when you're in deep depression, you do not think clearly. You do not think clearly. I've had preacher friends take their lives. And that's a shock to all the church world when a preacher takes his life. Oh, yeah, we've had preachers take their life. And, and you think, well, how in the world did a preacher get to the point where... Uh, he got to the place of such depression that he took his own life. The same road that he went down that thousands of other people go down. Preachers are no different than anybody else. Preachers don't have supernatural genes. It's not something, the preachers are not gifted with, with you know, uh, supernatural ability to, or whatever. We have to walk the same road that you walk. We have to do the same. We have, we have to obey this book just like everybody else. And if we don't, if we don't, and if we don't do what this book uh, tells us to do, then we're going to walk down the same road that other people walk down. And if we allow ourselves to get into depression just because we're preachers doesn't mean that we can't make a mistake and make a bad choice. It all depends on how we deal with the issues and anxiety of life. Who, me, worry? Now, all of us have a list of concerns. Everybody in this building right now, you have a list of concerns in your life. Now, you may want to ignore that or say that's not true, but you do. You have things you, you think about. You have things that you probably spend more than just a couple of minutes thinking about. What if? What, you know, all those concerns. Now, I read a, a survey today, and when I, I picked out some things in this. A top ten concerns that people have. And first of all, I realize that I don't think these are Christians, okay? Uh, and you go along with, here's the, here's the top 10 concerns that people have. On the, number 10 is diet. I'm thinking, how many identify with that one as a concern? I can go to sleep thinking about that one. I mean, some of these are not going to compute with you, but I'm telling you, as you would go through these things, I want you to write down some of your top ten. Second one is job security. I think, I think most of us, I think most of us have spent a few times thinking about that, job security. Um, you know, maybe not to the point that you're losing sleep over it, but I think it passes through our mind. It could become an issue if you let it, right? But all of us, this is, this, uh, and then number eight, mortgage payment. Probably anybody's got a payment at all can, you know, that seed is there. What if? 
credit card debt. This probably gets 90% of America because the average credit card debt across America is, I think, over $8,000 now. Uh, that, that, uh, if I had that kind of debt, it would cause me unrest. Um, first of all, you need to cut up all your credit card. <laughs> Moving right along. Number six, I didn't get this one, low energy level. Is that the reason energy drinks are so popular? Low energy? Uh, most people are too young to have low energy, aren't they? Um, number five, loan payments, loans that you have that not other than your mortgage payment. And number four is kind of strange, overall fitness. Maybe that's the reason... Uh, uh, Physical fitness places or you know, memberships or it's such a, um, you know, people are, and I, people should be concerned about their uh, physical, you know, overall fitness and stuff. And uh, I am too, and, and I think about it and go to sleep. I have scripture for that. Bodily exercise profits little, you know, I mean, so I, that one don't, don't bother me. Lack of savings, we can all roll those around, can't we, you know? Because it deals with our future, our retirement, uh, you know. Number two, any of you past 30s probably thinking about this one, uh, you know, uh, growing old. Let me tell you something. No matter how much you think about that, you're going to get older. Let me prophesy. You're going to get old. I was once young and now I'm old. And I can prophesy to you, you're young, but you're going to get there. If Jesus tarries... And all you're worrying about it is not going to stop it. In fact, if you worry about it, it will accelerate it. You could wind up looking like Merle Haggard. Have you seen him lately? That boy's had a bad life. He used to be a handsome guy. I, I seen him the other day, and his face is all wrinkled, and he looks like a prune. I thought, what's happened to him? He's doing some worrying or something. He got old. What do you think number one is? Dying? That's a good answer, but that's not it. What do you think number one is? When I read this, I think, this, this is not, this is not a true service. Overweight. Can you believe that? Overweight. I've been overweight all my life. <laughs> For almost 70 years, I've been overweight. It's about time I, you can forget about that one, okay? Sew your lips shut. <laughs> overweight. I, I thought. Now, is that right? You know, I mean, let's just face it. There, there's skinny people who eat like horses, and there's fat people that that don't eat hardly anything and, and punish their bodies, and they just stay fat. You know, hey, enjoy your life. Do the best you can. Yes, lose weight if you can. But don't beat yourself up with guilt and condemnation and stuff. If You know what I'm saying? Life is too short to be going around and worried about being overweight. Get, get a tent. Go shop at Omar the tent maker. Get something. Enjoy your life. Oh, man. Our world really puts pressure on us, don't it? Because we have to fit a certain image or whatever. And because we don't fit a certain image, that puts pressure on people. And when pressure comes, then your thoughts begin to go crazy. And I, I thought about, now, 
How many's list looked something like this that I just talked about? Does any of your list uh, over on the back of your paper? Just just kind of turn that over for a second. Uh, can, now, and I'll show you. But evidently, they wasn't. I don't think these folks that took this survey was Christians, because there's no mention of family. No mention of family. Uh, our ministry, our lost souls. Are, none of those things are involved. I mean, as a Christian, I, I think that on our top ten list would be our, our family, our lost loved ones, um, you know, the, the church, our souls, ministry. Uh, there's a lot of different things I could put in here. I mean, that would take the, the place of, you know, diet and uh, overall fitness and lack of savings. Hey, I'll just borrow off of you guys. You know, all of those are concerns, but, but our, and let me ask you another question. As long as we live, and put this down, as long as we live, we will have these things to deal with. Let's just face it. This is life. All of these things, and most of the things that we would put down is the things that we're going to, it's life. It's things that you're going, I and I are going to have to deal with as long as we live. So uh, my question is, what does your top ten list look like? For most people, it's, it is about more than one problem. And this is very important. For most people, it's about more than one problem. Usually it is when we have a lot of problems confront us at one time. Okay? We can usually handle one problem. But what happens in our life is the multiplication of issues that we allow to accumulate. Things, things that begin to mount up. And because there's so many of them, sometimes we get this, this feeling, if you, if you look at the issues and you don't look at the source, you'll allow the issues to become bigger than God, are bigger than what you can cope with, and then it becomes a real problem. Exactly. Exactly. Because a lot of times the enemy would isolate us. You know, and that's, that's one of the big problems with, with what we are facing now is that don't allow the enemy. If you're here and you're going through, and, and you'll be surprised how many people that might be sitting here tonight that is wrestling with some form of anxiety or depression. Some people don't recognize it as depression or anxiety. Okay? But I'm telling you, you need to, if, it, if, you're, if things in your life are becoming overwhelming, you don't need to think that you need to fight this by yourself. Get help. Suicide is not the way out. That does not fix it. It complicates everything, especially those that you leave behind. All right? So for most people, it's, not about, it's about more than one problem. Usually it's when we have a lot of problems confront us at one time, and then it's crisis time because we have all these issues face us. Notice, to worry is to give way to anxiety. To worry is to give way to anxiety, our unrest. To allow the mind to dwell on troubles. Now, every one of us, if we wanted to, we could spend our days dwelling on our problems. Because everybody here has problems. You have personal problems that only you know about. You have problems in the home. You have problems with relationships. You may have problems on the job. You have, may have you know, all these problems, okay? But I want you to understand something. To worry is to give way to anxiety or unrest 
are to allow the mind to dwell constantly on those problems. Worry, and I want, to, uh, want you to get this, is excessive concern over the issues of life, and it is a sin. Let me run that by you again. Is excessive concern over the issues of life, and it is a sin. How many looked at worry or anxiety, excessive worry and anxiety, as a sin? It is a sin. I'm going to explain to you why it is a sin. Okay? Now, you know, we, we're believers and we should be, well, we don't want to get into sin. Well, listen, excessive worry and excessive anxiety leads, and it leads into sin. And I want to share some things about that. Number one, because it displaces God in our life. Number one, it displaces God in our life, and we assume that we are in control. Who's in control of your life? God. You're a believer. Does God care for you? He saved you. He's your Savior. He's the good shepherd. He has promised to take care of your, what, needs, okay? So when you assume the, and you allow the, the, uh, your issues to begin to overwhelm you, you are, you are coming from the standpoint that it's your responsibility to fix them all. Whose responsibility is it? God's. God's. Now, I'll, I'll expand on this in just a moment. But there's issues in, your, in our life that only God can handle. That only God can fix them. In fact, if God doesn't fix them, they're not going to get fixed. And you can worry all you want to, and you can be in anxiety all you want to, and it's not going to help your situation. Because if God doesn't come on the scene and fix it, it ain't getting fixed. And when we worry about it, we are saying, God, I don't trust you to take care of this issue in my life. I'm going to worry, and I'm going to fret, and I'm going to you know, allow myself to be in anxiety about it. You're assuming control. You're assuming that you can fix it. And you know what I get? I, I found out that when people try to fix their issues, <laughs> and, then, and then they come for counseling, and I said, well, why do you do that? Why did you do that? Because that's just, who told you that? And then they begin to unwrap all the, the path that got them there, and I thought, my Jesus. What a mess. A certain person had a financial problem. And uh, they had overspent their budget, so Des went and took out, you know, they borrowed some money. On their own, they borrowed some money. Didn't let the husband know. And uh, paid the bill. A little while later, they overspent again. Went and made another loan. Didn't tell her husband. You see the you see the pit we're digging. And when I'm talking to him, I'm going, "Why did you do that?" And then and then they got a different post office box and had all their bills sent to a different post office box without letting her. And their pit got deeper, and deeper, and deeper, and deeper. Pretty soon, <laughs> they're losing their house. They're losing their cars. They're losing everything. And it started with one little trip of trying to fix it on your own. 
Listen, when the enemy can distract you and get you to thinking that you can handle, you can get yourself out of all the rather than stopping and just don't go any farther and say, okay, I've done this. I'm just not going to wait on simply for God to work this place you out. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and let God work this out of my life. Don't try to fix it. Number, and two, because it is a direct, direct violation of the Word of God. Why is it a sin? Because it's a direct violation of the Word of God. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for what? Be anxious for nothing but in prayer, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Don't get into anxiety. God says, be anxious for nothing. Don't start down that path. When you start down that path and you begin to assume control of your life and, how, and, and fixing all these issues that you know. And, uh, now, we, we get deceived into thinking that we can fix them. But we just can't do it. And that's the deception. And the enemy is going to lead us into that box hanging where he wants to. And then we, get, well, then we have to wrestle with all these depressive thoughts. And we wind up doing something really, really foolish. Okay? So it's a sin. It depresses God. Secondly, because it's a direct violation of the Word of God. Or you might say it's a direct violation of the will of God. His word is his what? Will, right? Because it distracts us from things that really matter in life. When we get into the issues of, of when we're anxiety and when we're worried and we're concerned over issues, it distracts us from the, from the important matters that God wants you involved in. It takes you out of the loop. It takes you out of your, your freedom to be moving where God wants you to move. Why? Because you're all caught up thinking he's got you in this area where you're thinking or you're consumed with thinking about your problems and it distracts you from the, the weightier matters of life that God wants us involved in. So we're distracted. So the enemy not only has us now in our mind, but now he has taken us out of service. And now we're on the shelf. And we're not doing what we're supposed to do because we're consumed with anxiety and wrestling with depression. And we're not even good for ourselves, let alone someone else. How can we know if we have allowed the concerns of life to become sinful worries? You need, I want to give you some practical things here about how to know. When they are the first things we think about in the morning and the last thing we think about at... What do you think about of a morning? What consumes your thoughts? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, be glad in today. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Starting your day. How do you start your day? What thoughts do you allow to flood your mind as you start your day? And, and if you're allowing the little issues of life immediately to begin to come and disturb you, it'll ruin the rest of your day. Because notice now, because you will think about them at night, and that'll be the last thing you think about at night. Secondly, when they fill the spare moments of our day. What do you think about when you have that moment on the job that you have a chance to rest and maybe reflect? What does your mind go to? The problems at home, issues that you're facing. I mean, what is your mind on? Is it on the good things of God or is, it, is your mind at peace and at rest? Are you enjoying the life that God gave you? Enjoy the life that God gave you. We only have a certain amount of time. We, I mean, enjoy the trip. Enjoy the trip, man. Don't allow 
Don't allow these, these petty issues that the enemy would use to rob you. Okay? So, so uh, understand that. When we drag them up, and thirdly, when we drag them up in every conversation. When I begin to talk with people, and I'll talk to them more than once, I, I, I can know, if I, if I can see them three or four times a week, I know exactly what their issues are because they drag it up in the conversation all the time. They're constantly rehashing it. Some people rehash problems they've had two years ago. What in the world good is it rehashing stuff you had two years ago? They, they, they drag it up and rehash it and talk about it. And I'm thinking, there ain't nothing new going on in your life today, is there? Is there anything, you got any fresh flow? Is anything going on now? Now, you're talking about two years ago. Man, I've slept since then. Is it, what's God doing for you right now? What are you, where, where are you involved in ministry? What, what's, what, you know, when's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? Well, you know, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about? What ministry you're going to get involved in? Uh, you know, on and on and on and on and on and on. Is God doing something for you now? That should be involved in our conversation, not just life. I'm not going to rehash something that happened last month. What good does it do? It destroy your peace. Not going to change the situation. Right? So why allow it to bother you and to, and to involve your mind when it's not going to do any earthly good for you? And it certainly won't be healthy. But when people are continually dragging the same things up in their conversations, they have a problem. And it become more than just a problem. It's, it become, it's in their mind. It's in their spirit. And it's a problem. And they're worried about it. They're concerned about it. They're, they're having anxiety about it. Turn it loose. <laughs> Here's God's answer to our worries. 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to go through these real quick. Here's God's answer to our worries. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Does he care for you? What makes you think God cares for you? You're, you're growing old. You have low energy. You have a mortgage payment. And your overall fitness by looking at this crowd is terrible. Why would God care for a crowd like that? <laughs> he cares for you. He cares for you. Get this in your head, casting all your care. First, number one, is a definite action. Cast. You. Cast. It's something that you do. I can't do it for you. Your neighbor can't do it for you. Now, you, you have an option. You can hang on to those things that cause you headache and heartache and, and disappointment and disillusion. You can hang on to those things if you want to, and, and that's your option. That's, God gives you the freedom to do that. If you want to carry that, then go ahead. But, but God is saying, listen, what you need to do is cast. Unload. Don't unload on your neighbor. I've had that happen to me before. Don't unload on your, on your wife or don't unload on your husband. You cast, it means to throw off with vigor. Matthew 6 and verse 25, check this out. 
Therefore, I say to you, who's talking here? Who? This, so it, it probably should be written in red, right? Now, how many wants to do what Jesus says? Therefore, I, Jesus, say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is life more than food? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's more important things in life than eating and drinking. We can all lose a meal and still do fine. I can miss three or four and do fine. Probably a whole week or two. <laughs> I know a preacher that when I call him, most of the time when I see him, he's coming from lunch or from breakfast planning on where he's going to go to lunch or he's coming from lunch planning on where he's going to go to dinner. He, he would get in his car of a morning and drive to San Francisco to have lunch. You know what I'm talking about too, don't you? Yeah. I met him downtown. He would call me as he'd come through town. He said, come on down to Perko's and let's have coffee. I said, okay. I go down there. Where you been? Oh, he said, I'm just coming back from San Francisco. I said, what? He said, I went there and had lunch. I said, what happened? He said, I just got in my car and felt like going for a drive. I said, so you drove to San Francisco to have lunch? Yeah. Then he's planning on where he's going to go for dinner. <laughs> that is absolute truth. That is absolute truth. His name Brother Dunham. I mean, that's just what he did. That was his lifestyle. But... Uh, he liked food, boy, and I tell you. So it said, first is a definite act, you cast. Now notice what, and you need to write this down. I want to hit on it. It does not say that we are to cast our responsibilities off. Okay? Because sometimes, I'm not telling you to, God doesn't, you know, there, we have responsibilities in this life. We need to count the costs. We need, we need to, you know, if you got a job, you need to take care of it. You know what I'm saying? We have responsibilities in this life that we need, we need to take care of every family. We need to do all those things. There's responsibilities that we have to do. You can't cast them off, but what he is saying, you cast your cares. Those things that are robbing you of your peace, the things that's causing you to be anxious and, and you know, got you going into this darkness, all right? The things we, that we have no control over, those things that rob of, of peace. Now, it's, it's like a... Uh, in the army, when we'd come to the end of the day, especially in Vietnam, and we was carrying those heavy packs, here, here's a picture of what God is saying. When you come to the end of the day and they, and they say, you know, unsaddle, or this is it for the night, you drop, you drop that, you cast that, the first thing you get rid of, man, you get rid of that pack. I mean, because it becomes a weight, and, and your shoulders are hurting, your body is hurting. And so, and here's, that's the picture that he is saying here. Cast it off. Let it fall to the ground. Let it fall off, okay? That's what you do with your cares. A deliberate, secondly, a deliberate release, a deliberate release all your cares. Do you have a care list? Now, I asked you before, as we start here, you need to put your top 10 down. I, we listed some. I don't relate with these, but I do have other things that if I would allow myself could, would destroy my peace. And, uh, and, and so you need to list yours too, all right? But what I'm saying is that, that the things, you, you, you need to, you know, release them. 
How many of them, and then here's what you need to do. You need to go through them and say, how many of them would be taken care of in God's time? Some of the things on our care list is only going to be taken care of in God's time. And all the worry and anxiety and stuff that we go through is not going to fix that. It's just going to be a time. Okay? And then I noticed another thing I wrote down, that many of them are just concerns to put on your prayer list, things to pray about. They're, they're, you can't probably fix it on your own anyway, but just put them on your prayer list. And don't, and don't let them become such a, uh, a controlling factor in your life. How many of them do you really have no control over? If you listen and look at them and you have no control over them, let them go. Let them go. You have no control over them. Let them go. And then thirdly, notice the divine destination. Where are you casting them? Where are you casting them? On him. The divine destination that he wants you to cast your cares on is him. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Cast your cares on him. Some practical things before we close. Some practical things we can do. Start getting control of our thought life. Number one, start getting control of our thought life. I think it all starts between your ears. All starts between your ears. Got to start getting control of your thought life. Proverbs 23 and 7, most of you can quote it. As a man thinketh, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that heart is not that organ here that pumps blood through your system. It's the seat of your decision-making process, your heart. Wherever it is that the heart of where you make those decisions. As a man thinketh there in his heart, so is he. And then secondly, start learning the power of contentment. Start learning the power of of contentment. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. And we're going to close with this. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am there to be content. Right? Go to, go to 1 Timothy. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I have learned whatsoever state, that means whatever condition I am in, whatever situation I find myself in, I have learned to be content. Does that mean all your situations are going to be pleasant? No. Was all of Paul's situations pleasant? No. That guy, I wouldn't trade places with him for nothing. That guy went through Terrible issues, stuff. But listen to what he said. I have learned to be content. I don't know if, I mean, if I went through the stuff that he went through, it might be, you know, I don't know. I don't, that's, that's, a, that's a tough thing. But there is power in contentment. Does that mean you have to be satisfied with your situation? No. Am I satisfied with my situations, the things that, no. I'm working, I'm praying. I, you know, probably just like you are. I've got issues I'm praying about, things I'm praying about. I'm working. I'm making plans. That, uh, that's the responsibilities of life. And I'm trusting God I'm for the things that, you know, that, that only he can do. Uh, I'm not going to allow things to rob me of my peace. I'm going to say this. Can we say this before we close? I wrote this down. In the survey, they also, they also figured out how much time people spent worrying. They, uh, 
interviewed these people. Hmm. The average worry per person each week was 14.31 hours a week worrying. Almost a, that's over a, over a working day. 14, over 14 hours a week, these people spent worrying over a certain issue. That's 744 hours a year of worrying. That's over 45,000 hours in a lifetime that people spend worrying over stuff that they have no control over. Now, we can laugh at that. You know, because you can or may or may not be able to identify with this stuff. But I, I, I did it. I divided it out. That's over five years. Five years of these people's lives was spent worrying about stuff and they couldn't fix. What a waste of time and energy. Not only that, it probably robbed them of their health. You know, can you get robbed of your health to, from worrying? Absolutely. Listen, cast in all your care upon him because he cares for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the folks that are here tonight that have sat here patiently and, and listened. I'm praying that God, all of, the, all of us, will, will get what you're trying to say to us. We are facing uh, troublesome times. But even though we're living in troublesome time and facing some issues of trouble, our, our, there, is, there is no, our heart is not troubled. You were declared, let not your heart be troubled. Believing God, believe also in me. We're not going to allow our hearts to trouble even though we live in a day of trouble because we know that you have everything under control. And in our own personal life, God, we are recommitting ourselves to living above anxiety and worry. And we're not going to allow the the issues of life rob us of our joy and our peace. But we're going to begin to put your word to practice in our life. We're going to, we're going to get control of our thought life. And we're, and we're going to begin to walk in your word and your will. And learn the power of contentment in whatever situation life throws at us. In Jesus' name we ask it. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Appreciate you tonight. Give the Lord a good hand, all right? Who, me, worry? All right. God bless you guys. <laughs>